Hi everyone, it's your host Liz and welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Mariela Polanco, influencer, Latina, and small business owner. In this episode, Mariela shares her vulnerable and relatable story with us. Fast forward to 2020, she's released a book, manages a store on Madison Avenue, and runs a successful online business of her own. This is Realistically with Liz. Hi, Mariela. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yeah, I am really excited to chat with you today. And I would love it if you could start by, you know, just sharing with the audience, you know, a little bit more about yourself. So where you grew up, where you went to school. Yeah. Okay, well, obviously, my name is Mariella. I grew up, well, I was born in Dominican Republic. Um, Then I had no choice. I was brought to New York when I was like four. Um, So I am an immigrant um, from DR. And my family came here just for a better life, better way of living and all of that good stuff. And then from there, I I knew my mom was a beautician. So we, you know, she had a hair salon, not right off the bat, of course, but that's what she was doing in Dominican Republic. So she had, you know, that entrepreneur in her, which is kind of like why I have that in me. Um, But I always was into fashion. I always loved clothes. I always, you know, watched my mom like sewing headbands for me and like little things like that. And that's kind of like the route that I took when I decided to start like going to college and all of that but but yeah that's like I mean I guess that's like the beginning stages <laughs> of like how everything started once I moved um but I was four when I moved so I was still a baby so super young it's it's interesting to you know if I go and compare stories like my story is completely reversed like I was born here in New Jersey my parents met my mom lived in New York at the time and my dad lived in New Jersey And when they had my sister and I, you know, they had a house in New Jersey, but then when I was three, they moved us back to Puerto Rico. So it's kind of that whole reverse story there. (laughs) I mean, I don't remember anything really from New Jersey. That's why I feel like I don't talk about it as much. You know, I I always categorize myself as, you know, I I am Puerto Rican. I grew up in Puerto Rico. You know, when I moved to New York and kind of met other people that you know, we're just Puerto Rican or, or Dominican that like grew up in New York because it's a very different lifestyle. Right. It is, you know, totally different, specifically when the, the roles are reversed. But it's definitely really nice to like just learn a little bit of the culture that, you know, your family grew up in. Even it, even if it was before four years old, like I still remember. Like I even remember going to school there. Like that's how like crazy I remember things. Like in my uniform, because over there you have to wear a uniform no mm-hmm. matter public or private. And then obviously like once we came to New York, we would always go back like every year. So I still had that experience year to year as I grew up. So it was really, really nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you mentioned the uniforms and I was like, yep, that's, you know, whatever, whatever school you go to, it's a very Latin thing for you to wear a uniform all the time. I think it's actually, I actually preferred it because I think of, you know, when I watch like TV shows now and how I feel like there's almost like, I'm going to go into like a rant, but it was almost like less opportunity to get bullied. I feel like because you weren't, like your, your clothes was a, something that like people didn't have a choice to like criticize or talk about because basically like you had to wear your school uniform. So it was like, 
you know, probably two, three colors max that you could wear. And then even, you know, I, w I think for public school, it didn't really matter as much like what shoes and backpacks you were, but like for private school, like definitely they had some other rules. I went to the same school for like kindergarten to 12th grade in Puerto Rico, and which I know is very rare here too. The administration was trying to get us like to be more strict with like, oh, you can only wear like black or white shoes. And I'm like, oh, come on guys. I'm like, that was like our only self-expression, <laughs> like me throwing on like a like a pink sneaker or something when I still liked pink back in the day. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone must be thinking like, why are these girls talking about uniforms? I mean, I think it's like a really important thing to talk about. Just, I mean, it's not your uniforms that you would see in like Gossip Girl that, you know, everybody was wearing like, I don't know, stockings, Chanel and all of this. Like, it's just <sighs> completely different. It was kind of nice. Like you wake up, like even if you're like running late or you didn't really have to think about your uniform. You just had to make sure it was like clean and yes. just like throw it on and like go to school. And I feel like that was like the least of your worries at school was like having your uniform on. That's de that was definitely least of my worries. I think I was more worried what was in my lunchbox for, <laughs> <laughs> for the day. <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely an experience. And then I did go to private school here where I also had to wear a uniform. Well, I only was in private school here for like, two years like I hated it you know you're a teen I guess then my mom decided to put me back to public school but in private schools like you literally need to have like a score of like 70 or 75 you know grade and all of that stuff so like you really need to be on point you can't you, like you won't pass with just 65 <laughs> you'll fail um and that's what public schools are like you you need a minimum of 65 I don't know if it's still that now but a couple years ago I mean I'm not that old <laughs> <laughs> you said you could even remember like when you were you know younger than four I I wish I could remember those years because I feel like my memory starts like from last week or something <laughs> like it's it's so well, bad now, now my memory has been like just a hot mess but I do remember because that's when I was in Dominican Republic when I was four yeah now like my memory is just like all over the place but it's because I have a lot of my on my mind so it's obviously there's reasons to, <laughs> to have a lot going through my brain. Yeah, definitely. So let's kind of fast forward enough talk about our childhood. Let's go in the timeline like when you were 18. What did you think you were going to do, you know, come five, 10 years after graduating high school? Like what were your goals back then? So obviously growing up with a mom who owned a business and stuff like that. And like I mentioned before, even in Dominican Republic, she had her own hair salon. And then her goal here was to open up her own hair salon as well. She wanted me to kind of like do the same thing and like take over when she can anymore or even run the business with her. And I was doing that like when I was young, even 15, you know, I, that's where I learned like hard work and dedication and what it takes to like run a business I guess at 15 but that wasn't my passion that's not what I wanted to do like I used to hate seeing her just like doing hair like 24 7 but then fast forward now I'm like whatever I am doing now which I'll talk to you guys in just a second it's still hard work it's still working 24 7 but at least I love it and that is the difference with that said, when I was 18, I still was into fashion. That's literally, that never changed. I decided to go to Berkeley College in White Plains for fashion merchandising and business. I hated it. 
I hated the college. So I decided to then leave Berkeley and I went to LIM, which is a private fashion school in Midtown for the same thing, which was fashion merchandising. I did like a couple semesters and then I dropped out because of the main reason is because my mom passed away. She passed away from colon cancer when I was 19. So she passed away in 2009 which was so hard. I'm an only child. I don't have any like siblings other than my cousins who are like my brothers and sisters. And I do, I mean, I do have like a sister and two brothers from my dad's side. We didn't grow up together. So I would only like see them when I would go to Dominican Republic and things of that nature. That really was so hard. I even tried to go back, which is when I studied in Paris for a couple months. And that was a literally life-changing experience. I loved it. And then I did try to go back to school because, I, you know, I mean, I think it's every culture, but specifically more so like the Spanish culture who come here for a better life. They really always say you need, you need your education, you need your bachelor's degree. Like if you don't do it, what are you doing with your life type of like mentality? And that's why I decided to continue to go back and go back, but I just couldn't. Then like two years after that, my dad passed away. So it was just like, okay, like, you, you really can't, like, it's just not going to work out. You know, this is just not going to work out because it's just maybe just not for you. So I decided in, to go into retail management and that's kind of like where I started. I mean, I started as a sell associate, you know, and then from there became a, a supervisor, then an assistant manager, store manager. But obviously that didn't happen when I was 19. I mean, I'm just talking about like, as I went. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, I know that, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a difficult time to to talk about you know being so young too I mean again we're this isn't it, it's hard and I, I think that you know you were mentioning too that the mentality that you know we grew up with you know in, in our in our culture about you know getting a degree that's how you're going to get a better job and you know etc it's like all these like things that they they build in our minds from a young age the story of you helping your mom out in in the beauty salon like it brought me back to like you know, my mom also ran a small business for 20 something years that, you know, has now only shut down because of COVID. And I remember helping her out, you know, and needless to say, my mom is not a college grad. My sister and I were the first ones to go to college and graduate also from our family. But, you know, and even my dad too, you know, he had, he ran a business in Jersey and in Puerto Rico and did not go to college. You know, when I came up, when I went up to my mom and my dad and I was like, hey, I want to study fashion and I don't want to stay in Puerto Rico. I think those were both like huge shocks because they were both like, okay, well, you know, what are you going to do with fat? Like, what is a fashion degree going to get you? Like, you know, I don't know what the expected career path is for that. And, you know, also if you get into these schools, that's amazing. But then it's kind of just like, let's talk about how, what, what's that going to, you know, set us back financially. Right. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, that's also something that like, you know, most, at least in, in my culture, like they're not, they don't, it's not like they have a savings account for, for college. You know what I mean? Like, and that's something that I've learned. Like, you know, I'll definitely do that for my kids if they choose to go to college, like at least they'll have something to kind of help them out. 
um, you know, I was always so scared, even now to even tell them, they, they still don't know actually that I did, didn't end up finishing college. They think that I just forgot to go get my diploma. And this is what I've always told them because I've been literally mortified to tell them, hey, no, I didn't go to college, I'm sorry. But I have done so many other amazing things that I hopefully, hopefully you're very proud of and continue to be proud of. So I guess like my, my, <laughs> my advice to that is just kind of like, don't be afraid to say something um, when it comes to like, obviously going to college. And I'm not saying by all means that you shouldn't go to college, but if something tells you in your heart that you don't need to, cause look, like I've done, you know, retail management, which you can make an amazing salary yearly aside from my business and blogging. So I guess to, to wrap that up, like I'm like, I'm a store manager on Madison Avenue in a brand is called Agence. Um, I love it. I've been there for a little over two years, literally the best company I've worked for. They are an LA based brand, mostly known for their denim and their silk blouses. Before that, I had launched a book, which is called the blogging diary workbook, which is kind of like to help aspiring bloggers start their blog as well. And it's a workbook. So like you kind of go on your own pace and you can write in the workbook as you go. And that was really successful. I sold it through Amazon at that time when I did the book to kind of like go back a little bit. I was living in LA. I decided to just move from New York because I needed a different I needed a change. And that's one thing I can say. I'm definitely a risk taker. I don't think too much. I'm just like, hey, let's do it. What's the worst that can come out of this? If anything, it's a learning experience. And I decided to go. I was there for like three, four months, literally super short. I had the worst experience there in so many different areas of my life. I've met great people, but I've also met shitty people. In LA, it's very different <laughs> to meet really good people. And um, really, I guess good people as in genuine people that really just want to hang and, you know, really take you as a friend versus like wanting something from you. But then I've also met really great, great people who are still my friends now. And from there, that's when I started my blogging. Like I decided, hey, I'm going to launch my website, which is marielapolanco.com. I don't have my website anymore. I strictly blog through just Instagram. And down the road, like two, three months after that, I launched the workbook. And then a couple months after that, someone DM'd me. It was like, hey, do you coach bloggers? I'm like, I literally took 24 hours to respond. And I did, I drafted up like this whole like MBD, which is my blogging diary coaching pamphlet. I created on Canva. Canva is life. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I created this whole pamphlet with like the guide, everything, like how the coaching will run week to week. I did a one month coaching. Like if I've been doing this for such a long time, I literally email messaged her back on Instagram. I'm like, yes, I do, girl. I coach, this is a pamphlet, this is how much it's gonna be. And because of this one girl, literally, she's the reason why I started coaching as well on the side. So ever since I've coached, I've coached over 80 girls in like the past two years. Wow. And then recently I launched Marfem, which is an online women's clothing and accessories boutique. I launched in the middle of a pandemic, crazy me. After that, a lot of people have been messaging me to coach them for business. So I've also have coached maybe a handful of girls for business within the past couple months. So that's just kind of to sum it up, just so I, you know, you have more of an idea and understanding of 
what I've done in the past, you know, months to years back. I mean, wow. Definitely. I want to start, you know, I mean, I have so many questions for you. (laughs) You know, we can take it back to when you first were talking about not going to college and doing retail management. I think that, you know, early on in the podcast, I've, you know, interviewed people that have also worked in fashion that, you know, I've, you know, great friends of mine that I've met, you know, along the way in the industry. And I stress so much how, you know, retail is actually like a career and, you know, yes. Yeah. Like, (laughs) right. I'm like, retail is a career. I was like, retail really made me like, there's so many different levels and like not even levels, but also like layers of what retail can mean to a person and what jobs and what brands we actually apply to and choose to work for. I feel like that starts getting elevated the more we want to be invested in a brand. My first job, I went to like a college fair and like had no idea what I was doing. And I got my first job was with Forever 21. It lasted one month, but it was still my first job. And it was crazy. Like working in retail meant also like applying what I was learning and actually learning things that I wasn't, you know, learning from a book or learning from a professor. Like there's so many different skills that you can acquire from like, you know, interacting with customers or even like from your store team. So I'm like, you know, that was really something that I treasured. And I always say that, you know, looking back at it. Yeah. I mean, you wear so many hats, especially as you grow within a retail store uh, with a brand. Now that I'm a store manager, I literally wear every single hat. It really helps you like level up everything, literally everything from management to leading people, delegating, communication is huge, stock room, operations, sales, marketing, visuals. Can I, do you want me to keep going? Like I can keep going. (laughs) There's so much, like, Mm -hmm. I think it's all about who you work for at the end of the day as well. That's really, really big in my book. Like people work for people and no matter what, what career path anyone is at, um, or in it's, that's like the bottom line. Like people work for people. Like you have to be able to come to work and love who you work with. You know, there's so many things. And I think because of my experience in retail, I already have a vision on how I'm managing Marfem, which obviously it's online, but eventually, you know, I have big goals for Marfem in the future and I'm going to have a team and I already know what to expect, how to manage them and how to make them happy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you sound like a businesswoman already. I mean, launching one in the middle of a pandemic is wild. Even going forward with it is amazing. I applaud you for that. And even the fact that, you know, you've had people reach out to you that to learn from you is also amazing. Like if you told me, girl, I didn't answer her for a week because I was like distraught or I was working on this. The fact that you kind of hit go and you didn't overthink yourself. Why not? I think that that's one thing that you kind of constantly hear, like, you know, when I speak to other entrepreneurs is that you kind of have to hit this, you know, you have to, you know, hit the gas. You can't really, you know, snooze around and wait for someone else to one, maybe, you know, launch the idea first or take your business. You really, you know, if you have something there, you just have to kind of, you know, go with it. And like you said, take that risk. Right. No. Yeah. And the thing is with the coaching part, I didn't even realize that I was already doing it, but I was just doing it for free. You know, like I've had so many women who are inspired by me and I feel so like, oh my God, really? You're inspired by me? Thank you. (laughs) And I, I still can't believe it when they message me, but like 
I don't mind giving advice. And that's the thing. Like, I want people to eat from my table. Like I am not one of those bloggers or entrepreneurs who are like, no, like I'm not telling you what I've done or what has helped me. I'm going to, this is what I've done. But like, I will tell you, even the girls that I coach now, like I'll give you everything you need to know, but it's up to you at the end of the day. You know, like I'll show you the car. We'll pick the color together, everything. But you have to be the driver. Like I'm still going to be on the passenger seat. Like I can't drive the car for you. So that's like, really really big when I coach or when I like talk to girls every day through DM and stuff like that it's like you know this is what I did this is what you should do this is my advice but if you want it you have to work for it yeah absolutely I love the the car analogy you know you definitely in anything you have to be on the driver's seat and I think a lot of times you know people probably think like as you said are are probably hesitant to like reach out to 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 bloggers or, or anyone, like any category, really, I think that, you know, is in a field or in a position that they want to be in in the future. I think that we need to be, you know, more open to asking for help and, you know, okay, you're not always going to get it. Maybe you don't have the time, for instance, this is, you know, one example, but you're like, hey, I have this workbook, maybe you could check this out in the meantime, and then, you know, we can get together another time and, you know, see how we can further that experience. And I think that it's, it's that, I think that now there's so many different resources. And sometimes I, I kind of catch myself saying all these things and I'm like, you know what, I actually need to take my own advice sometimes because it is, you know, it is hard, whatever your, whatever venture you're in, it's like, you know, starting this podcast, understanding like where your audience is, you know, who to talk to, like what groups to join. And like, again, you do want to learn from other women. And I, I'm lucky to say that early on, I did find, you know, some really great people to, to follow, like shout out to Lauren at the wave podcasting. I found this amazing, you know, female podcasters group, which I never thought I would find. And she was like super hands-on, really nice. Like I've been able to like keep her in the loop and you know, that makes me feel good. Like finding people that, you know, are also trying to like support you and, you know, help you, you know, reach those goals. And that's great because like, you know, it's like sometimes those people, people who actually make it or are successful, they forget that they were once in that position, you know, not, not all of them, but some of them do forget. And then they just like, then become too good to want to help. And I think that's the problem. And that's why a lot of people are intimidated to reach out to people and are like, shoot, I I don't know if I'm going to DM this person are not even going to bother to respond. And you know what? Yes, there, there is always a chance that they're not going to respond, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't because you know, there's people that will still take out some time to respond or at least give you some type of information or maybe even take you under wing as a mentor. You never know. Yeah. And you know, and you never know. I mean, you know, people have so much going on in their lives. I mean, on top of the pandemic, really just like you know, bearing us like this year, I think that there's still all those other things that goes on, like whether it's like something work related, something personal related. So I think like waiting for those answers is always like, meh, like you're like, okay, like, you know, but maybe you, and during that time while you're waiting for one person to answer, you find someone else that then you can, you know, also send them a message and be like, okay, I love what you're doing. Do the work. That's for sure. I feel like when you reach out to someone, that's another thing. You actually brought me to this point, which is good that you mentioned that, is don't expect people to give you every answer. And I think that's one thing that I feel like we all can do better is like, you know, if you want this as bad, you should already know the, an- the answers to the very basic questions. 
we're all on this one path and we can't just take the shortcut. I think a lot of people want to exactly. ask certain questions that it's the shortcut way of, but you know, you have to learn how to, how to do things your own too. Like I completely agree where we can only really pull from our own experiences. When I started a podcast, I did a shit ton of research. I was like, you know, in terms of like how much money I had to spend on, you know, a hosting platform, what platforms are free how many hours you can put into it. Like, should I buy equipment right away? Like I had no idea. So then I'm like, I found some blogs dedicated to podcasts. And I think that that's really, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like you have to do like, what's good for you. My first podcast episode, I recorded on my phone with no microphone whatsoever. And I like even edited on my phone. It took me hours to edit on my phone on a, like a single app because at the time I didn't have my la- a laptop. So I'm like, you know, all those things were something that I had to work up to. I'm like, you know, you had to just like be super crafty. Yeah. And I started and I hit publish and that's how you keep going. You know, I found, you know, an amazing illustrator and I messaged her and I was like, Hey, have you ever done podcast art? And she was like, Oh, this is such a cool concept. Like, yes, let's work together. And you know, you kind of just have to go from there. A lot of risk is involved, but you do have to do, you know, you do have to do the work as you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it though. That's, that's definitely part of it. And that's kind of like what differentiates whether like, you know, you're going to hit the ground running and, and then just never going to look back before I launched my femme, I did research for one year. I start, I did my, like I did my LLC, all of my legal documentations, all of that March of 2019. It was a long time. And I wasn't even going to launch till like the fall of this year. It wasn't even going to happen now, but it just turned out. I was like, you know what? Let me just do it and see what happens. (laughs) One thing that I do, I study successful people. I study women and men who have done or are doing the same thing that I'm doing. How did they make it through YouTube? I, I watch a lot of YouTube. I study their Instagram accounts. Like what, how do they post? How do they write captions? What type of photos do, do they post? The quality, like the consistency of how many times they post throughout the week. Studying like those competitors and the people that you admire look up to is key when you're opening up a business or, you know, or if you're going to specific fields. And I think that has really helped the growth for Marfem in just six months. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I worked in retail, there was a certain point in my career that I, I was a retail coordinator. So I was out in the field a lot and, you know, visiting our wholesale partners. And the main part of your job is to know what your competitors are doing. How are they merchandising? What new styles are they doing? Like there's so many different aspects of it. And then, you know, you kind of go beyond that. You know, there's obviously trend forecasting. You'd expect if your competitors are in the same category as you are, you expect them to, you know, have some similarities, but you know, it's the way they present it, but you know, merchandising online is super important and how you know, you present an item online in terms of like the images that were being presented for a product. Like, how am I supposed to know how that's supposed to look on me? Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of people don't think that, you know, if anyone's trying to ever open up an online store, it is a lot of work. It is not just, you know, buying pretty clothes and taking pictures and then expecting them to to sell. There's so much work that comes to owning an online store. And it's not just clothing. It can just be any type of, of, of online store. It's a lot. I didn't even think that it was this much before I started. I mean, I knew it was work. I just didn't know 
like the amount of hours that I was going to be spending behind a computer like every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the customer journey is so important. And, and I think that sometimes us as the customers, like you don't realize it. It depends on what kind of product you're selling. So it's like, I don't know, let's say a candle. Like if you just put a picture of the candle, how are you selling a scent? Technically people are investing in you. If you're buying someone's product, they're investing in you. They believe in your dream. Absolutely. And then you want them to keep returning. Like what's the point of them just buying one time from you and that's it. And then going ghost. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I'm literally like always TLCing (laughs) over at Marfem is just cultivating like that community and that, you know, culture of like happiness from the minute they enter the store to the minute they receive their goods to the minute they come back and we shop with us. And that is like really big when it comes to my fam. My return rate is a little over 80% of the clients that I have. It's not only about the product. It's so much more than just mm-hmm. the product. And that's what a lot of people need to understand. It's just like, okay, anybody can sell, uh, you know, a t-shirt, right? But it's like how you sell it, how you present it, how you deliver it. It can even be cheaper, okay? Like there's brands that have maybe one or two pieces that I've seen that are even cheaper or even more expensive. Mm-hmm. But my customers, my clients decide to shop with me because I deliver happiness. I am all about that customer. One of the things that I've been, that I've had the pleasure to do for Marfem is like I hosted my first like VIP brunch with like three of my top clients. And that was a really, really nice experience to kind of treat them. And the point that I'm bringing with this story is as much as you value them, right, which is why I decided to bring them to a Sunday brunch, you know, I gifted them, I obviously paid for the brunch and all of that good stuff. You never realize as an owner or, you know, entrepreneur, how much you've impacted their lives. And that was like a, an aha moment for me because one of the reasons is like they hired a photographer, they brought cupcakes for me. And I'm just like, guys, this is not for me. Okay. <laughs> Literally, this is for you guys. I don't know why you've been spending your money on, on any of that stuff. Like, I'm just thankful for you supporting my business. Right. Then listening to their story and how Marfem have changed their lives literally wasn't the real aha moment for me. Marfem made them feel alive again. It made them become the woman they used to be before they had children. You know, because once you have children, it's all about the children. That's it. You forget about yourself. And Marfem just made them feel alive. And that was really like, I even got goosebumps right now talking about it. As the owner of Marfem, you know, I I wanted that. I just never thought too deeply into it. More so like, you know, I'm, I'm delivering quality products and a great price point. I'm delivering happiness, but I never really thought how I'm changing these women's lives and how the product make them actual, actually feel in the long run. And that was just like, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's a great story. I, I mean, again, just to, to having that moment of being like, Hey, I want to, give back to my customers, not just with like a discount or something. It was like an actual experience and knowing, you know, that things are kind of, you know, shifty and whatever. It probably showed those women just like how much you care as like a business owner too. You know, they already had a great experience and you just like put like the cherry on top of like the Sunday for them. That is literally what I'm trying to build around my fam. It's just that, that overall happiness and just like they're 
the women that shop with me, even the men that shop for their, their girlfriends, wives, it's more than a transaction to me. And that's something that's really, really big. Um, you know, I send them little gifts, like, you know, even if it's like a, a satin headband, like anything that just makes that their order a little bit more special and not expecting something because it's not, it's more than a transaction to me. And that's what's key. And that's, I think that's, that's literally key to every online store. Yeah, no, I mean, it's always about that personalized experience. And especially since it is just e-commerce right now. And I know you said you have plans for the future on, you know, doing a little bit more. You know, I love going into stores still. Like that's something, and I think that you could attest to that, like having worked in, in retail and obviously you're still in retail, you know, as a store manager, you want those customers that walk into a store and just like, you know, just right. love it. To translate that to like online to digital is very hard. And I think that you're, you know, you're, you're, you could definitely tell that you're putting in the work to, to get to that point. Yeah. I mean, it's so much, so, so, so much harder, which I told you this before, or, you know, when we're talking about it, like an online business is so much harder because you have to be very, try to be very transparent where your audience can see that through their phone or through a computer. Um, Another thing that I, I forgot to mention is all about packaging as well. When they receive the product, like, you know, we, our colors are like light pink and, and light yellow. So like we have like really fun poly mailers and, um, different note cards for different clients, depending on the journey that they're at with my fem. So you'll get a specific note card if it's your first order. If this is a repeat customer, you'll get a different one. If you're a VIP, you'll get a different one. So like there's different cards for depending on their journey. Um, to the tissue paper, you know, to the sticker, like everything is like so special. And that is like so, so, so important to me. Before we move on, I want to ask you where the name Marfem came from. That's a great question. So I don't think I've actually spoken about this too often. Um, Marfem is Mar for Mariella and Femme is more for fem- feminine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like Marfem is really big, including myself, obviously, but we're really big on women empowerment and boss babe mentality. And even on our hang tags, we have like a really, really like, fun quote on there what I'm trying to say with this is there's a lot of brands that write very professional and very like the first letter has to be uppercase where everything else has to be lowercase like mrfm we can write however we want we can you know curse but like cute curses like af or bad you know ass and stuff like that and I think that's part of like being a strong woman because I think we're taught to not write like that or curse or even like have freedom in some areas of our lives, right? So I guess that's the, the ter- like the round of up of everything that Marfem resembles. I totally get what you're what you're saying by that in a sense of when a man says, you know, a curse word or something, it's because, you know, they're a, you know, they're they're in a position of power. If women do it, then obviously they get criticized and it's like, oh well, you know, she's she's trying to get attention. I, I think that's nice. Again, you're putting in a lot of details to, you know, for your customers, you're trying to relate to, you know, who your customers are. Like they're probably, th- this is probably what they're telling their girlfriends. So at the same time that they're texting their girlfriends about what they're doing, they're texting their girlfriends about this new brand that they just found and that they continue shopping with. Right. And you know, it's all about being just laid back. Like I don't want everything to be super, you know, formal or like very like 
uptight you know like most brands are like everything has like the model has to be like this perfect barbie like like that's not what i want my femme to be like i want my femme to be for everyone eventually you know we'll have you know curvier girls on there and things like that that's something that we're working on but it takes time we're still a baby so there's still so much more vision and things that are going to happen in the future Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see where that goes. I mean, I love your current model. Her bob is just makes me want to cut my hair, but then I'll probably regret it. Like as soon as I do it, she makes it look so effortlessly. Yeah. She's so awesome. She's always down for whatever, literally. Um, But yes. No, I love it. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what happens in the future with Marfem. I'm sure that, you know, it'll be a brand to watch. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about, obviously, you know, you've spent your entire life basically, um, living in New York. So I, you know, I love to ask all my guests a little bit more about, you know, why New York is so special to them and what really brings them joy about New York. So I would love to hear what you would say are your like top three places in New York. New York to me is literally the hustle city of the U.S., literally, you know, I've, like I told you before, like I moved to L.A. for a short period of time, L.A. is great, and, and all, and it's all about art, and all of that, which I loved, but New York just has a hustle, like, you can't beat that anywhere you go, and um, that is why it's so special to me, if you can make it here, you can literally make it anywhere, and I'm sure we've all heard that term when it comes to New York, New York City, and um, with that said, a couple of my favorite places, I mean, I would have to definitely say, in regards to just, like, I love nature, I'm a Capricorn, I don't know how much we, how much you know about astrology, (laughs) I am literally a true Capricorn, and um, I love Central Park, I know that's probably so like, uh, like, okay. Um, but I love picnics and just like walking up and down Central Park. I also work right next to Central Park. So I just, I mean, I love it. Other things that I love about New York City is the pop-ups that are consistently always happening from, you know, like the Museum of Ice Cream to like other like really fun pop-ups like I love like I've been to so many obviously right now due to COVID it's a little bit harder if you're trying to go to a pop-up but there's so many I've been to so many art pop-ups and there's so many that you can look up on an Eventbrite I think that's a website or like Mm -hmm. just Google and a lot of them would pop up and a lot of them are like super cheap or even free and now food wise because I love food and like New York City has really, really good food. And I love tacos, though. My favorite taco place is uh, Toro Loco. I don't know if you're familiar with them. If you're not, I'm not. Oh, my Jesus. Um, Writing it it down. Like, they have, like, a Frida vibe theme inside. And it's just very, very, like, Mexican authentic. And it's, like, a moderate price. I mean, the times that I've been, it's delicious. I love it. I mean, I definitely have to try it out. I think that, I mean, you're always, why not always look for a good taco spot? I used to have like, hello, <laughs> right? I feel like they're always, it's something, I mean, especially because you can really get every, like any cuisine here, you kind of just have to, you know, test out as many as you can. Like you're like, With okay, well, this said, work. That was one of the things that I hated about LA. I couldn't find any comfort food that I loved other than fast food. Like or in and out I did love in and out I do have to say that. But 
other than that, <laughs> it was just so hard. Every corner, it was just like healthy, 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 healthy. And hey, I love being healthy. I'm currently in a journey of like eating healthy and all of that. But you know, like I couldn't find good pizza. I couldn't find like Dominican food. I, I had to like, I literally found one Puerto Rican spot and it was really delicious, but that was it. It was really sad. But anyways, we can <laughs> No, I keep, I keep wanting to mention this every time you talk about LA. I also had a very terrible experience. I think LA only holds importance to you because that's really when you started your blog. And I would not be talking to you about it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. And I, and and it's funny because I think I've mentioned this here and there uh, to a certain, to certain people like on the podcast, I went to LA for, did an internship. I think I was also there just like three months. I went when I was in college. I was already in my twenties. New York and LA is, is obviously very big in fashion. So, you know, I was already living in, you know, in New York and everything. So I was like, why not do an internship elsewhere? Like, let me like test out the waters and just see like what, what will happen. Not to say that the internship wasn't good. I think the internship was really good. I, I enjoyed it. And it also taught me what I didn't really want to do um, in terms of work. Okay. But, you know, I was just interning. So that was like my sole purpose of going there. I had to like quit my job in New York. I was alone in LA. I did my internship five days a week. So it kind of also made it impossible to like, let's say find a job there. I had no car. So that also sucked because obviously it's so important to get around. But I agree with you in terms of food. I feel like I ate a lot of fast food when I was there. I mean, maybe if I go now, I don't know, I'm, I'm older and maybe I can, you know, drive around and find a couple things, but I, I, I totally agree. Like my experience wasn't the best at first. I went afterwards. Like, I think for me, LA was like good in small doses. Like I, once I, I agree. once I worked in fashion, like our company also was like LA based, like how you mentioned Lejeance's. So, you know, we were going like, you know, for market or so like you would go maybe like twice a year, like, or once a year, depending on, you know, how budgets were. And that was nicer because you would kind of just like, you'd have a dose of it. Right. a hotel, you go to like a nice dinner, <laughs> like it was better. And that's what I used to go in small doses. I was like, oh, how about, I'm sure I'm going to love it if I come here. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's not, it's, it's even more than just a light. Like I had like, I mean, I went, I had like two car accidents. Like they just, I mean, I can continue. And I've been driving since I was 16. I've never gotten into car accidents. But once I moved to LA, I decided to get into two of them. You know, like, it's just, it was just like a hot mess. But yeah, lesson learned. I've grown (laughs) from that experience. I think it has, you know, matured me in so many different areas of my life, including like even financial, like I moved there by myself and I I had no one to be like, hey, can I get a hundred bucks? Or like, hey, can you send me? No, I needed to prove my family that I can do this and I can be there by myself financially and independent so I think in that level of you know in that sense it really did help in you know in those areas of my life yeah no absolutely I mean it definitely I mean every everything you mentioned that you're a risk taker so obviously moving to LA you you had to do it if you didn't I'm sure that you know you'd have been like, damn, I should have done that. And even now, maybe you would have been like, oh, I should have done that when I was like, you know, 22, 23 Mm -hmm. and not, you know, now like a little bit older. So I think, you know, every experience has its purpose, uh, whether good or bad. I think we just can't control that. The universe is meant to give us, you know, good and bad things. So we just have to like, you know, either take it with a grain of salt and learn from it. Yep. I agree.
Yeah. Um, so, okay. Aside from loving tacos and stuff, what else do you, do you love and hate about New York? Um, one thing that I do love is the realness of people. Sometimes not too real, but (laughs) (laughs) I am a very, um, direct person and in all good, good ways is what I mean by that. Okay. Because I know like direct can sometimes be very like intimidating and very, Mm -hmm. um, not positive (laughs) but I am very very you know there's a lot of people that are very direct in that sense where like you know if they feel something and they want to talk to you and that goes with like my past experiences where like I don't want to keep talking about LA but over there like (laughs) (laughs) this turned out into like we hate LA okay (laughs) um you know it was very hard to be myself and to kind of be direct even as a leader in the store over there because I was still doing retail management there versus here it's like everyone is like okay no problem like that's fine like we don't take it as personal I guess you can say Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing I love one thing I hate is how expensive living in New York City is so like for example right now I'm in the process of hoping buying a home and I decided not to live in New York City and because I want land and I want to have greenery (laughs) and not having to be next to one person like that they can hear me from the side of their window and I know there's beautiful like penthouses and apartment but they're like a million dollars right so like if you move a little bit more upstate in New York you can definitely find something really nice for like under half a million Mm -hmm. so I think that's one thing that I hate about New York City is that how expensive it is for like something so small you know yeah depending obviously where in New York you live and stuff like that you know I think that that's like definitely on the pros and cons list when coming to New York is always how expensive it is and you know even with the pandemic even with you know with COVID I know that rent prices have definitely gone down because people have either moved away but I think in terms of buying it's still it's still very challenging. Like you have to, I mean, and even for yourself, if you look at your lineup right now, like you're a small business owner, you obviously, you know, are, are an influencer. You have an income off of that. You are a store manager, like technically three jobs, juggling three jobs, not including your coaching. If we want to throw that in, but a million dollars is a lot of money. Like that's just like a lot of money. Yeah, and then not to feel like you're in an actual house, you know, because like a million dollars, you get a like an apartment in New York City. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, or like more like, I guess, penthouse vibes. But like, if I'm going to spend a million dollars, not that I yeah. am, but if I am, it's going to be in a freaking house. You know what I mean? Like pool, like all of that. All of it, okay? <laughs> yes, the whole but, nine yards. Like, I mean, not even a penthouse, to be honest. Like I've seen... Like my, one of my old apartment buildings, which was not like super luxe. It was, yes, renovated, new, comfortable. It was a small building still. They were under 15 units in the building. And, you know, obviously you can check everything on like Zillow and those apps. (laughs) One of the apartments had been sold and it was, it went for over a million. Obviously the rental prices were very different, but I was like, holy shit. Like that's like, how, how is that happening? I mean, you know, whatever people have to do, but like, like at the time I lived there, I was like, yo, 25, 26. I'm like, that's a lot of money. Like, and you, everybody in the building was like our age too. So to think of that, I'm like, unless you sold some app and you have millions of dollars tucked away, how? (laughs) For an apartment. 
<laughs> for an apartment. <laughs> yeah, it's a no in my book, okay? It is a no. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that would be like one of the negatives. You know, a lot of people might say traffic, but to me, traffic doesn't really bother me. No, I would have to agree with you. I think if you're taking the subway most of the time, it's not that bad. And when you have traffic, I mean, yeah, you just have to like plan accordingly. It's just like part of it. Like it's part of the vibe. Like the amount of times you actually have to go like cross town or like downtown. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Like that's, that's one thing I guess I don't agree with the negative, but yeah, I guess that would be the only thing. I mean, I'm sure there's more, but from what I can think because <laughs> that's what I'm going through right now. <laughs> That would be one of the things on the negative list. Yeah, for sure. I mean, on your personal level, of course. So any last minute tips, lesson learned that, you know, maybe we didn't cover during the the podcast, or maybe we just want to like repeat now for the audience on maybe moving to New York, if they're thinking of starting a business or, or starting a blog, what, what, what advice would you, would you have for them? One of the my biggest things that I preach is consistency. And I know that sounds like so repetitive. And this goes to anyone who's doing any type of anything. It doesn't only have to be business, but it can even be with like your own self. If you want to wake up every day at 5 a.m., like that's consistent. You have to be consistent. You know, a lot of things, but consistency is key. Like, and a lot of people don't don't still understand that. And this is why I have to say this on here because like people just think that posting twice a week is consistent. It's not consistent. Consistency means posting five, six days a week, showing up on stories, showing yourself on stories, not just posting regular like writing on your stories, showing up for you, for your brand, for your audience in a consistent way. Okay, and that is so, so important. Other than that, is just to continue to always be a learner. I think that's really big. Like, never think that you've learned enough already. Like, a lot of people might look up to me for certain things, and they feel like I know everything, but I still have so much more to learn. Like, right now, I'm in the process of doing a coaching course on learning ads, right? Because I know a little bit of ads, but I still have so much more to learn. And I think that's really, really big. It's just be be a student, continue to be a student, continue to educate yourself, continue to invest in yourself. Don't be afraid to spend money on a mentor, on a coach, on a, on a, you know, something that you feel it's going to help you because YouTube can only do so much. (laughs) You know, the free resources can only do so much. And that's something that I've learned throughout my experience, specifically more so for Marfem, because there's certain areas that I'm like, okay, well, I can't continue to get free stuff online or free advice or free education on YouTube. I have to now invest in areas that I need um, to be able to grow. And I think that would be my, those two things are my biggest advice, consistency and um, investing in yourself in regards to like continue to be a student. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that there are a lot of free resources, but there is a certain limit to, you know, how much you can learn from them. You can, you know, watch as many videos, you can, you know, read as many blog posts, but I definitely agree that you're like, no, I got this. Like, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to keep doing free everything, but there's certain things that, for instance, even certain tools that can make your business go smoother. Like, let's say if you really want to improve on consistency, 
maybe it's investing in a, in an app that allows you to just like, you know, map out your, your content for the week or, you know, for the month. And maybe that's how you can stay consistent. So investing, you know, in this, and maybe it's a monthly investment, maybe it's a yearly investment. And I think, you know, when the student part too, again, maybe you can't ask certain questions. Like if you're watching certain videos, you don't know if there's like 10,000s of comments. Like if you have a question, who are you going to ask it? Like, who's going to answer it? So I think that that's really when you're like, okay, I actually need someone to verbally talk to, to really run through this with me and be like, okay, this is my question. Like what is going on here? Like, how do I make this better? Or how do I make, you know, turn A into B? Yeah. I mean, there's so much, I mean, you know, I always recommend everyone like, you know, research, researching all the free stuff, you know, like doing, that's how I did like my website. I did it myself. I didn't hire anyone from my website, but now I'm thinking, oh my God, like in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I want to do this. I want to do this. But now I'm like, shoot, I don't even know how to do that. Like me doing it without ever building a website before, or just with what I've learned so far. So now, okay, well now I need to invest in someone who's going to come and help me redesign my website to add whatever features I want to add that I can't do it on my own. So that's like, you just need to know when, when you're ready to do so and when you opt out all of your free resources. Absolutely. That's great advice, Marieta. Um, So yeah, I would just like to thank you so much again for being on the podcast. I'm really excited for the audience to, to listen to this episode and, you know, hear more about your story and hopefully they get some great takeaways from all the advice that you gave us on being a business owner and an influencer. I would love it if you could pimp yourself out now and, you know, let everyone know where they can find you online. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. This is actually my first podcast interview. So thank you. <laughs> Everyone can find me obviously on IG at XO Mariella with one L P as in Peter. So XO Mariella P and then my brand name, Marfem, M-A-R-F-E-M-M-E. And also the website is marfem.com. Awesome. Well, everyone, just so you know, everything will be linked down in the show notes. So if you missed a spelling or anything, we'll just have a click through link in the episode notes. And we'll also have a blog post all about Mariela. Thank you guys. As always, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. For podcast updates and more information on our guests, visit our website, realisticallywithliz.com. Don't forget to rate and review on your preferred podcast platforms, and we'll see you next week with a new episode.